Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. social media, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters and by The Sinking Sun. Tonight, by Patreon supporter request, we'll read A Lady's Life in the Rocky Mountains, a travel book by Isabella Bird, describing her 1873 trip to the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. The book is a compilation of letters that Isabella Bird wrote to her sister, Henrietta. Women were infrequently found in the western United States of the late 19th century, and a middle-aged English lady traveling alone, by horseback, was quite a phenomenon. Bird was a 19th century British explorer, writer, photographer, and naturalist. From early on, Bird was frail and suffered from headaches and insomnia. Doctors recommended open air and exercise, so Bird learned to ride horseback. In 1873, at the age of 42, she covered over 800 miles in the Rocky Mountains on horseback riding not side saddle like a lady, but frontwards like a man. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. 
few deep breaths. Letter one, Lake Tahoe, September 2nd. I have found a dream of beauty at which one might look all one's life and sigh. Not lovable like the Hawaiian islands, but beautiful in its own way. A strictly North American beauty. Snow-splotched mountains, huge pines, redwoods, sugar pines, silver spruce. A crystalline atmosphere, waves of the richest color, and a pine-hung lake which mirrors all beauty on its surface. Lake Tahoe is before me, a sheet of water 22 miles long by 10 broad, and in some places, 1,700 feet deep. It lies at a height of 6,000 feet and the snow-crowned summits which wall it in are from 8,000 to 11,000 feet in altitude. The air is keen and elastic. There is no sound but the distant and slightly musical ring of the lumberer's axe. It is a weariness to go back even in thought, to the clang of San Francisco, which I left in its cold morning fog early yesterday, driving to the Oakland Ferry through streets with sidewalks heaped with thousands of cantaloupe and watermelons, tomatoes, cucumbers, squashes, pears, grapes, peaches, apricots, all of startling size as compared with any I ever saw before. Other streets were piled with sacks of flour, left out all night, owing to the security from rain at this season. I pass hastily over the early part of the journey, the crossing, the bay, and the fog as chill as November, the number of lunch baskets, which gave the car the look of conveying a great picnic party, the last view of the Pacific, on which I had looked for nearly a year, the fierce sunshine and brilliant sky inland, the look of long rainlessness, which one may not call drought, the valleys with sides crimson with the poison oak, the dusty vineyards with great purple clusters thick among